right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app that has all of those things inside of it. Uh, Ruth chapter 3 is where we're going today. This is week number 4 of our series called From Ruin to Redemption, and we've been taking every week and walking through the book of Ruth. Um, we're going to have next week for sure, um, and then after that, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we're going one more week or not. I don't know if I can get everything done next week or if we're going to have um, a bonus week into this series or not, but at least next week um, is, we're, we'll still be in Ruth. Let me start today off with a question, and I know you love it when I do this. Um, how many of you, and everyone's got to be honest, how many of you love the snooze feature on your alarm clock or your or your cell phone? How many of you use a real alarm clock? How many of you use your cell phone? I don't use my cell phone because I don't trust that thing. Like, alarm clock, I, I got that. I love the snooze. Now, for some weird reason, and I even told you this um, last year, uh, for some weird reason last year, I decided I was going to eliminate um, the snooze function out of my life. And uh, I'd like to tell you that it lasted a couple months, uh, even a couple weeks. I think I told the last service, I think it was a couple weeks, and Mary said, it was like two days, dude, that that's all you did that for. Um, I can't quit. Like, I just, I can't. Like, the snooze function was like my first addiction. It, it just really is. And to this day, I can't quit it. Um, over the years, it's gotten more and more and more addicting to hit the snooze because I'm the type of person who's always just like, just five more minutes. I just need five more minutes. How many of you are like that? Five more minutes. Five more minutes. For some weird reason, the alarm clock I have right now goes seven minutes. Um, and so that's kind of cool, I guess. Um, but here's, here's the thing. For some of us, getting out of bed is incredibly difficult. For me, it's difficult because my bed, like, listen, my bed for me is the most comfortable place on earth. How many of you, that's for your bed, not my bed for you? Like, how many of you, like, you love your bed? Like, your bed is just super, I love it. I, I love to sleep. I, I just, like, that's, that, I just love it. I, my room is super, super, super cold. Anyone else like it super cold in your room? Like, my window is open right now. Uh, and, and people are always like, what about Mary? Does she like it super cold? No, she does not. But she's got lots of blankets and heated blankets and weighted blankets and all kinds of other stuff. I love it cold. And so when my alarm went off this morning, I did not want to get out of bed. I know some of you are thinking, I bet you were so excited to get to the house of the Lord and preach. No, I wanted to sleep. I wanted to, as a matter of fact, we didn't have first service, and it was kind of like weird having that extra time to sleep. But I had to embrace the uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable getting out of bed because I get out of bed, and it's cold, and I'm just trying to survive the first five minutes of getting out of bed. And here's where I'm going with this. I'm not dogging the snooze button. Because a lot of us enjoy it. But you've heard the expression, when you snooze, you, yeah, when you snooze, you lose. Well, the same thing that's true about getting out of bed in this morning, in the morning, is true spiritually. There have been times in my life, and I bet that if anybody in this room were honest, any of you who have walked with God for any amount of time, you would say there have been times in your life where God has set off an alarm in your life. And when that alarm went off, you knew the next step you should take. Like God is very, very, very clear about the next step you should take. And, and, and you absolutely knew beyond a shadow of a doubt what you needed to do in your walk with Jesus. But instead of doing it, you hit snooze. And, and I'm not talking down to you. I'm talking to you as one of you. I've done it. We, we hit the snooze and we say, you know what, God? It's five more minutes. Just five more minutes, God. It, it happens... On Sundays, I'll, I'll talk about this more in this message, but it happens where in this room, 
God will speak to us about what next step we need to take. But instead of saying yes, as soon as you walk out those doors, you hit the snooze. We've all done it. And the thing today is, I want us as individuals and as a body of believers to stop hitting snooze when we know what God has clearly spoken to us. Because at the end of the day, when we snooze, we really do lose. We lose out on the blessings. We're missing out on the blessings of God that could come into our lives if we just simply say yes. And so the question I want all of us to wrestle with today, it's real simple. Snooze or step? Hit the snooze or take a step? Today, if God were to make it absolutely clear what your next step is in your walk with Jesus, will you press snooze or will you take your next step? And we're going to look at this through Ruth chapter 3. Now, really quick review. Ruth 1 starts out with a guy named Elimelech. He lives in Bethlehem. He has a wife named Naomi. He's got two kids. But there's a famine in Bethlehem. So they leave Bethlehem and they go to the land of where? Where? Moab, right? They go to Moab. Now, Moab is not a good place. Moab is a wicked place full of wicked people. In fact, they had a reputation for being very sexually immoral. And so they wind up there because they're trying to get away from a famine. But the Bible says they didn't just wind up there. They got there and they settled. And we talked about when you settle in Moab, when you go to a place that you said you would never go, you wind up doing things that you said you would never do. And so their two sons are named Malon and Kilion. Naomi marries them off to two Moabite women. And if you were Jewish, you were forbidden by the Torah. That's the first five books of the Bible. You were forbidden to marry Moabite women. And they did it anyway. And we talked about how many of us have done things that God said, do not do. Well, eventually, Elimelech and Malon and Kilion die. And one of the takeaways I told you is, is something always dies when we walk away from where we're supposed to be. Something always dies. And so you've got Malon, or you've got Malon and Kilion, they, they've died, and Elimelech has died, and now Naomi is left with just her two daughter-in-laws. Their names are Orpha and Ruth. And so they start back to Bethlehem. They're going to leave Moab. They're going to go back to Bethlehem because Naomi had heard that God was doing something amazing in Bethlehem. And so they get to a crossroads, and Orpha decides she's going to leave them. She's going to go back to Moab. She's going to go back to what's comfortable. She's going to go back to what's familiar. But Ruth says, I'm not leaving your side. I'm walking with you. The only thing that's going to separate or, or end this connection that we have is, is death. I'm going to be with you forever. And so they get back to Bethlehem, and everyone's like, oh, Naomi's back. And she's like, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, right, which means bitter, because she's, I'm, I'm bitter. I'm mad. I'm angry. And that's how we ended week number two. And last week, we talked about how Ruth told Naomi, I can't just sit here. I've got to do something. I've got to embrace the opportunities that are in front of me. I've got to walk. And she goes out to the field of Boaz. And remember last week we talked about Boaz. And I told you the significance of Boaz's parents. And she goes to Boaz's field. And you remember what happened? Boaz shows up and he's walking around the field. And he's, he's looking at his workers. And he's, hey, how you doing? How you doing? How's it going? Oh, who's that girl? Where's she from? Now, scholars believe that Boaz at this time was around 80 years old and had never been married. And so Boaz like, hey, who's that? And remember, he told Ruth, hey, come over here, sit down. And his pickup line was, hey, baby, before I met you, I was ruthless. 
Let that sit there for a second. I, I know it, I know it's bad. I, I know. Somebody sent that to me. I giggled like a cheesy pastor would do, and I said, I'm going to share that. And it hasn't hit, man. Even online, that was, it didn't. Anyway, remember they had their first date under the tree. And I told you last week, she didn't look hot. Like she was a hot mess. She was nasty. Hair matted to her head. Didn't shave her legs that morning. Smelled like teenage boy. Just nasty. It was bad, but they had a date. And then Boaz said to his boys, hey, you know what? When you go back into the fields, don't mess with her. As a matter of fact, what I want you to do is I want you to drop handfuls of grain on purpose. I'm going to bless her. I want you. Don't let her know that you're doing it, but drop handfuls in front of her on purpose. And that we talked about that last week. And, and I've received so much encouragement from last week's message of just keep walking. Like that, that whole idea of even when you don't know what to do, just keep walking. Just keep taking steps. However, Everyone, or not, but a lot of people have told me that like, it's very difficult. And how do I do that? We talked about how she's just walking through. She's, she's picking up handfuls of blessings. She has no idea where they're coming from. And, and we ended last week by saying Ruth went all the way. Like every single day, she got up and she went to the fields. Every single day, she took her next step, walked to the field. Let me tell you something about Ruth. Ruth probably thought that that's as good as it's ever going to get. That that's it. That, like she gets to go out, she gets to pick up grain and, and go back and, and that's it. I, I, and I bet she got comfortable. I bet she got comfortable every single day getting up and doing the same thing. That, that's routine. I love routine. I know what it's like to fall in love with routine. And so I'm sure she just got up and just like every day, I keep getting blessed. I just keep getting blessed. And so every day Ruth gets up, goes to the field, comes home. She's being blessed. She's gathering more than she thought she would ever gather. But God had something in store for her that was literally going to blow her mind. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. Ruth chapter 3 verse 1 says this. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter... It's time. Like somebody needs to hear that today. It's time. It's time to do what God says to do. It's time to take your next step. It's time to stop hitting snooze. I, I love what Ruth says to Naomi right here because they'd been together for a while. Ruth had been staying with Naomi for a while. And right here, Naomi is telling her, it's time I found a permanent home for you. Girl, you, you, you can't stay here. You can't be with me. It's time I, I, I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. She, she's being provided for, right? She's actually providing for Naomi. She's going out every single day, blessings upon blessings on purpose. She's bringing back all of this food. And, and so this is confusing to Ruth. Ruth, th this thought had probably never even crossed Ruth's mind. Like, I'm providing right here. Like, this is good. We got a good thing going. And, and, and a side note, Ruth is probably about 40 years old right now. And, 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 and where's she from again? She's from where? Moab, right? From Moab. So because she had come from Moab to Bethlehem, there wasn't a good Orthodox Jewish man that would marry her. And so the thought of having a husband probably never crossed her mind. She probably thought, I'll never, I'll never be married again. But Naomi steps in and says, oh no, girl, you're going to be all right. God's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. And it's time for you to take your next step. And then verse two says, Boaz. Boaz. You, you mean that guy that I just met? Yeah, him. 
Um, we had like one date, but he hasn't really called since. Yeah, I know. Boys are stupid, and, and, and I'm going to help you speed up the process. That, that's, that's what's happening here. Watch this. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. But Boaz, see, I, I love this. I, I love how Naomi tells her who and tells her where. She told her who and she told her where. I would simply tell you today, when it comes to stop hitting snooze, when it comes to surrender, I'll tell you who, who you surrender to. His name is Jesus. The reason I tell you to surrender your life to Jesus is very simple. His plans for your life are way better than your plans for your life. I learned a long time ago that the best way to live this life is to stop taking my plans to God and say, hey, God, bless these. Instead, approach him with open arms and saying, God, I don't, I don't know what you want to do. Like, I don't know what story you want to write, but any story you want to write is way better than any story Ryan wants to write. And so, God, my life and my plans are in your hands. And when my plans don't line up with your plans, change my plans. That's called surrender. That's the very best way to live life. It's just to surrender. And so Ruth begins to tell her, hey, you're, you're going to surrender to God. And this is where it gets interesting, verse 3. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath. In, in other words, hey, Ruth, you're getting ready to go to the next level. If you want to go to the next level, you can't walk into the le- next level the way you've been walking in the fields. You've got to make some changes. There's some things that you're going to have to do. See, so many times, I think the reason, like, this is me personally. Maybe this is you as well. But I think a lot of times I've missed out on what God has for me is because I keep thinking the same thing is just going to happen over and over and over and over again, not understanding that immeasurably more in the Bible, where the Bible talks about, hey, he wants to give you immeasurably more, that really does mean for our life. It's not something just written in the book, that the word is alive, it's living, it's active, and it really is life-changing, it really can happen. And so, take a bath and put on perfume. See, this is going to the next level. You may take a bath. You may put on perfume. What, what else? Dress in your nicest clothes. Girl, get out of that field dress. Get out of that nasty dress. Put on a good dress. Okay, well, what do I do after that? Then go to the threshing floor. Oh, I've heard about that place. It gets kind of crazy at the threshing floor, right? Like the threshing floor, like... I, that's really where you want me to go? Yeah. And don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. So she basically tells Ruth, Ruth, go stalk Boaz. Can you see this happening? Like if this is a movie, Boaz walking into the threshing floor. Let's say the threshing floor is like a bar. Ruth walks in and there's Boaz and Boaz turns around and she doesn't want to be seen. So... Naomi, he's on his fourth drink. Should I? Should, no, stay where you're. It, it, it's crazy. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, it just says eating and drinking. If you're from a church background, you're like, oh, that's the potluck. This is not the type of eating and drinking that happens at the church. This is the kind of eating and drinking that happens at Kerps on a Saturday night. Are, are we tracking? Like, like, if you've been to church, the reason people don't teach on the book of Ruth is because this part right here is uncomfortable. So, so you want me to go and stalk Boaz while he's been eating and drinking? And, and listen, this is not the kind of drink. He's not having like a couple of sodas. I'll show you that later on, all right? This is, 
This is crazy. This next part, verse 4. You ain't ready for this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. Now, I'm just going to throw my cards on the table and say, if you're young and single and looking for dating advice, this is not from God. If somebody were to tell my daughter this, I would start a prison ministry. Like, seriously. Because this is basically what she says. All right, listen, go to the party. Don't let us see you. Just kind of stalk him a little bit. He's going to have too much to drink, and then he's going to lay down. And when he lays down, go and uncover his feet. And if he wakes up, just say, I'll do whatever you want. Some of you saying, that's how we met. Uh, uh, others are like, I'm uncomfortable with this. Because this is not normal, right? I'll do whatever you want. That's jacked up. But, but watch what happens, because th- this doesn't make sense. Does not make sense. In what world is this okay? Because think about this. Is this going to make Ruth feel uncomfortable, yes or no? Yeah. See, why in the world would we think taking a step of faith is something that makes us comfortable? In fact, if we're going to take a step of faith, we're going to have to step out of what's comfortable into the unknown. We've got to be willing to say yes, even when we don't know what the results are going to be. And and so this is what Naomi is telling Ruth. You've got to step out of what doesn't make sense. And maybe somebody here... Let's talk about some steps that don't make sense. Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you need to forgive somebody. It doesn't make any sense. The hurt that they brought into your life is legit. But until you forgive them, you can't go to your next walk or to the next level in your walk with Jesus. Maybe somebody in here, maybe you need to confess a secret sin, a habit, an addiction. It doesn't make any sense. But if you keep hiding it, you can't go to the next level. You're stuck in your walk with Jesus. You're stuck. But, but let me tell you what will happen. Every single week. Oh, yeah, pastor. I'll do that. Snooze. Right after the service. Next week you show up. I'll do it right after the service. Snooze. This time next year, you'll still be hitting the snooze. And when you snooze, you lose out on the blessing and the favor and the peace that God wants to bring into your life. It's not God holding out on you. It's you holding out on him. Stop hitting snooze. This is where it gets more crazy. Verse 5, watch this. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night. And follow the instructions of her mother-in-law. I, I, I want to show you in this verse something that's huge. I will do everything you say. Underline that. Circle that. Star that in your Bible, and your outline. Write that on your arm. Wh- whatever you got to do to get that. Because that's huge. Because think about this. What if somebody here, what if somebody watching online, that's what you said to God. I will do everything you say. That, that needs to be our prayer. Honestly, when we walk out of here, that prayer right there is what we need to pray. God, I will do everything you say. That changes our lives. It changes your marriage. It changes your family. It changes your work environment. It changes everything. God, just do it. Let's do everything you say. And then verse 6 says this, so she went. I'll do everything you say, and then she went. She didn't just say it. She didn't hit snooze. She didn't say, give me five minutes to think about it. She just followed through. Questions for the golfers in the room. How many golfers are in here? I am not good at golf. Um, I, I enjoy going out and, and doing it. I'm just not good at it. Um, and I don't know a whole lot about it, but I do know this. It's not important to just hit the ball. It's the follow-through that matters. Am I right? Golfers, yes or no? Follow-through that matters, yes, no? Yeah, it's the follow-through. 
It's not just saying yes to God. It's not just saying, hey, God, I'll do anything you want. It's the follow through. It's actually taking the step. So even though she doesn't understand, even though she's confused, she's like, all right. So basically, you want me to go and you want me to seduce this guy. She's from Moab. Remember, there was a time in Israel's history where all the Moabite women got together and tried to seduce all the Israelite men. And see, see this, what's happening right here is God is taking something from the past and, and he's changing it. God can take anything and redeem it. God can bring anything from ruin to redemption. It's happening right here in the story. Verse 7, after Boaz had finished eating and drinking as was, and was in good spirits. See, people always like to argue about drinking in the Bible. And they're always like, no. That wasn't alcohol. He wasn't drinking wine. How do you get in good spirits? Like, like how? Like if I drink five or six Diet Cokes, I'm not in good spirits. I'm peeing a lot, but I'm not in good spirits. How, how do you get in good spirits? Does that mean that? Yes, it means what it means. And, and, and many of us, we understand this. Finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits. He lay down on the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly uncovered his feet, and lay down. <laughs> Can you see this happening in real life? Ugh. God. Mm. Just let me get to bed. God, if you just let me get to bed, I'll never do it again. Oh, God. Just, just get me to bed. Get me home safe. I, I'll give 20% next week, I promise. Right? Isn't that it? And he lays down, everything's quiet. And all of a sudden, Ruth comes in and lays down, uncovers his feet. Now, let me ask you this question. As Ruth lays there, do you think she had this thought? This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Naomi has lost her mind. Do you think she maybe thought about getting up and running away, yes or no? Yeah. You think she thought maybe Naomi had lost her mind? Yeah. That's why I can easily tell you taking a step of faith is uncomfortable. Like, for example... When you forgive somebody, I've had people say, well, Ryan, what if I forgive that person and they don't forgive me back? Or what if they just say, all right, whatever. That's fine. Listen to me. You are not responsible for other people's obedience. You're responsible for your obedience. So anytime we take a step of faith, it's going to be uncomfortable. If it's not uncomfortable, it's not a step of faith. So she's lying there. And then God moves. How do you know God moves? Watch this, verse 8. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up. Now, if you've ever had too much to drink, you know you don't suddenly wake up. You have to sleep that off, yes or no? You, you got to sleep it off. Am, am I preaching too real this morning? Am I getting too real? Is that why everybody's quiet? Like, you don't suddenly wake up. You're out for a long time. And when you do wake up, you wish you weren't awake, right? Head hurts, like you just like, it's, it's bad. Suddenly woke up and turned over. <laughs> he was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet, I bet. <laughs> He's 80. Scholars say, never been married. So quick question. You think that maybe he had given up on asking God for something great to happen in his life as far as a relationship? Probably. Probably, but he goes to this party, has too much to drink, Lies down, rolls over, and like, what? Probably thought he was dreaming. Until verse 9, 
who are you, he asked, because he doesn't have his glasses on. He's still in good spirits. This has never happened to him before. Who are you, he asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, she replied. Watch this. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. <laughs> this is what you call pillow talk. You all know what pillow talk is, right? Teenagers in the room, you might be like, I don't know what pillow talk is. It's what your mom and dad do on Sunday afternoon when they tell you they're taking a nap. <laughs> pillow talk. Some of you are conceived through pillow talk. Anyway, pillow talk is that conversation you have in an environment that no one else can hear. Am I right or wrong? I know I'm right because when it gets quiet and you don't want to say nothing, I know, I know, you don't have to answer. Do you think that Boaz had maybe given up on something great happening in his life as far as relationships go? Possibly. All of a sudden, he wakes up. In the middle of the night, and there's a girl that he had originally thought, like, we, we had a date, but, but I was too nervous to follow up with it. And, and then this happens, verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter. The Lord bless you. My, notice the exclamation point there. He's excited about this. Lord bless you, my daughter. You're showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. For you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. In other words, you haven't been chasing those, those younger guys. Here you are w- with me. This is crazy. And then he says this, now, worry, now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. Hold on. Boaz, everybody didn't know that. Everybody didn't know Ruth was a virtuous woman because Ruth was from where? Moab. And the Moabite women were not known as virtuous women. The Moabite women made the Vegas woman blush. Moabite women were not known as virtuous. When Ruth came to town, nobody's like, there's such a virtuous woman. Oh, she's from Moab and she's so awesome and virtuous. Everybody knows you're a virtuous woman? Remember we talked about last week in the field, they didn't know her as virtuous. They're like, oh, here comes that piece of trash from Moab. Stay away from her. She's from Moab. She, nobody in town saw her as virtuous except for Boaz. Boaz says she's a virtuous woman. Now, here's what's cool about that. I told you last week, Boaz in this story is the Christ figure. And the reason I bring that up again here is to let you know, I don't know what you did. I don't know about your past. I don't know your reputation is now. But just like Boaz saw Ruth differently, Jesus sees you differently. See, Boaz didn't look at her past. He looked at her potential. And he knew she had a greater potential to have a greater life than she lived in her past. When Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see what you did. He doesn't see what you've done. He doesn't see the regrets. He doesn't see that. He sees the potential that can be unleashed in you if you would say yes and surrender, take your next step instead of hitting snooze. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't see you like other people see you? Other people try to put a label on you. They try to hold you down. They try to tell you that you're something that you're not. But Jesus says, you are my child. You can walk in victory and you can have a hope and you can have a future and you can have peace and you can have joy. Jesus doesn't see us the way the world sees us. He sees us in a greater light. Isn't that awesome? Verse 12. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there's another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Now, this is the way it worked in ancient Israel. If you were married to a man and he died, you married his brother. 
He couldn't marry his brother. You married the closest living relative, and you would have a kid, and you would carry on that family name. That's how it worked. And so Boaz was saying, hey, listen, you've taken this step of faith, and it's good. But it's going to take a minute for us to get there. I've got to do some things to get it worked out. See, I wish that I could tell you as soon as you took a step of faith, everything gets better. But it doesn't work that way all the time. See, sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it takes a while. I wish I could tell you, if you let me pray for you, that, 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 that when you walk out of here, everything is going to be great. Everything will be rainbows and puppy dogs. Your car will always start. Your kids will graduate from college. You'll have tons of money. Your bills always... I, I, wish, I wish that were true. But it takes a while. See, sometimes we get discouraged when we take a step of faith because we take a step of faith and then nothing happens that we see. But listen to me, just like that song that we sang, just because we see him working doesn't mean he isn't working. Just because we can't see God working doesn't mean that behind the scenes he's not working. He's working in this story. Because think about it, you're Boaz, 80 years old, never been married. Got a woman in your bed, she's hot. Verse 13, stay here tonight. There's somebody else, but stay here tonight. Don't, don't leave. I've been praying for this for a long time. Just stay tonight. Stay here tonight, and in the morning, I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you very well, let him marry you. But if he's not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. They were in the threshing floor, all right? And the next verse says, so Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning. Well, they do. What did they do on the threshing floor? You think maybe there's some thrashing on the threshing floor? I'm just asking the question. I was doing some studying on this, and, and you know what I've discovered? Commentators can't agree. Like, that nobody knows what happened. There are some commentators that say they just laid side by side like this all night. L- listen. They're full of humanity, not divinity, all right? So, some people say they just stayed there that night and cuddled. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Some people say what stay, what happened on the threshing floor stays on the threshing floor, right? Th- this is why this stuff doesn't get taught. Because people say, well, Pastor Ryan, I don't understand why you bring this up. It makes me uncomfortable. Well, here's why. Here's why I bring this up. Oftentimes, God works best in the mysterious, where you don't know what happened and you can't explain it. You just know it started this way and it ended here. What happened in the middle? I don't know. You don't completely understand. That's how you know it's God. I can't tell you what happened on the threshing floor. I don't know. By the way, you don't know either. All you know, no you don't because you weren't there. You know who knows what happened? Boaz and Ruth and God. Yes, I, I, I know. Boaz lay at his feet, or Ruth lay at his feet until the morning. And, and I know you're thinking, see, it says lay at his feet. And hold on to that. You can believe that. That's fine. But she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Why is he trying to keep it a secret? It's mysterious, isn't it? Verse 15, then Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to town. It, this is weird. They just spent the night together. We don't really know what happened, but here's some barley. And the thing I want you to walk away with from that is this. You never walk away from an experience with Jesus without being blessed. 
You never walk away without being blessed. That's why this church, our vision is to create an environment where people can experience the presence of God every single week. Because I know this, if you experience the presence of Jesus, you can't walk away the same. It always changes us, always. She gets blessed, and then watch this. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, what happened, my daughter? And Ruth told Naomi everything, everything. So Naomi knows what happened. And I love the fact that she goes back and she tells Naomi. How, how thankful are you for Naomi? Because when we first meet Naomi in the story, she walked away from God. She walked away from the presence of God. She walked away from Bethlehem and she goes to Moab. But when she got and she comes back and when she gets there, she says, I'm empty and I'm bitter. Empty and bitter, empty and bitter. See, we think when a person gets empty and bitter, God can't use them. But in Ruth chapter 2 and Ruth chapter 3, God is slowly filling her back up. See, saying you're empty is not a bad thing. In fact, I believe when we say we're empty, God says, now I can fill you back up. Thank you for telling the truth. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for not saying you have it all together. Thank you for saying you're empty. And he fills her up to where her overflow begins to bless Ruth. And she begins to instruct her in the ways of the Lord. And, And Ruth ends up getting a book of the Bible named after her because of Naomi. You've got to have a Naomi in your life. You, you do. You've got to have, listen, I'm not talking about somebody who follows you on social media. I'm talking about somebody in your life that you can trust with everything. Everything. We'll talk more about that next week. So she goes back and she tells Naomi everything. Naomi knows what happened on the threshing floor. Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she added, he gave me these six scoops of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. Watch this. This man won't rest until he has settled things today. I I love that. I love that. She told Ruth, you take this step of faith, even though it's uncomfortable, even though you don't understand, if you take this step of faith, I promise you, Boaz will not rest until it's done. Ruth, do your part, and he will do his. He will not rest until it's done. And you might say, translate that for me, Ryan. If Boaz is the Christ figure in this story, then the same thing that was true for Ruth is true for you. Stop hitting the snooze. Say, I surrender and take your next step. Because when we take our next step, God begins to move and do things we could have never done. Listen, again, God is not waiting. Like, like, like we're, we're, not, we're not waiting on God. All right, God is waiting on us. And I promise you, once you hit surrender, God begins to move and do incredible things in your life. There's somebody in this room, listen, you need to surrender today. You're angry and bitter. You've got to surrender that today. You've got to confess it. You've got to ask God for help. You've got to move on. Maybe there's somebody in here, you've got a secret, secret sin. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's an addiction. And you think you can keep it hidden. Listen to me. You can't hide it. God is always going to bring to light what is hidden in the darkness. And anything that grows in the dark is nasty. You need to surrender that. You need to ask for help. Maybe there are some of you here, you're afraid to admit something. Struggling with depression, you think you're going to be able to hold it in. Listen, today's the day you need to surrender. And when I say surrender, I'm not just saying, yes, God, I surrender. And walking out in the parking lot, getting in your car, and forgetting what happened in this room today. I'm talking about during the invitation when we sing this song about surrendering as Mike leads us. I want you to feel the freedom to be able to 
to just express out, I, I surrender. I really, do get, I really do have this going on in my life, and I really do need to get it out. I want you to feel the freedom to be able to go into the back corners of our prayer stations and pray with our, our prayer team. Because listen, th- th- this is the safest place in the world to be able to say, I'm not where I want to be. Because we understand that when you take that next step, God begins to work in the background. And, and maybe you can't see it right away. But one day, you'll see it, and you'll realize that you have benefited in ways you could never possibly imagine, immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. That's what the Bible says. And so maybe today, you need to stop hitting snooze and hit surrender. Take a step of faith and watch what God can do in your life. We pray with me? Right now, heads bowed and eyes closed. God, I want to thank you that your word is living and active. It's alive. And this story that happened thousands of years ago still applies to our lives today. God, I want to thank you for the people in this room that need to take a step of surrender. And God, I pray you would fill those people with the courage right now, right now, the people who are struggling with an addiction, struggling to forgive, struggling to find hope. God, the person that struggled to even find a reason to come to church today, God, that you would fill them with a hope right now. And they would have the courage to ask for help. They wouldn't hit snooze on what we know you want us to do, God. God, I pray that we'd surrender our next step. That all of us in this room would say, Jesus, here I am. I'm yours. I surrender to your ways. I want what you want. Show me how to live my life for you, Jesus. Here I am. I surrender. I surrender to you. Church, maybe our prayer to God right now needs to be, God, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. Just like Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, your will be done, not mine. God, not our will, but your will be done in our lives. God, right now I pray for everyone who knows what their next step is, that we would not hit snooze, that we would surrender. Right where you sit, whatever that thing is that God is telling you, why don't you just surrender that to him? Then make plans as soon as you step into the parking lot to take your next step, whatever that looks like. Maybe you're here and you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ into your life, and you know that's your next step. Your next step is to ask Jesus to come into your life. If that's you, I want to I help you with that. You, you can ask Jesus to be your Savior right where you sit can lead you in a prayer and you, you just say it right where you sit in your heart you can say it under your breath you can say it out loud just say Jesus right now I surrender to you I ask you to come into my life and be my savior Jesus I believe you died on the cross and I believe you rose from the grave and I believe you did that for me and so right now I'm completely yours. All of me for all of you. Come into my life. Save me. Save me from this world. Save me from hell. Save me from myself. Come into my life and be my Lord. Be my God. Be my King. Be my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Heads still bowed and eyes still closed. If you prayed that prayer, we want to know. And, and we ask you you'd stop by our welcome desk or one of our prayer stations or come and see me because we want to help you take your next step.
And God, I want to thank you today that you're able to help us to stop hitting the snooze and surrender. Fill us, fill us with the wisdom to know what you want and the courage to act, God, and the faith to follow with the hope to know, Jesus, that once we take that step of faith, God, you'll begin to do things that will absolutely blow our mind. As we sing this song about surrender, may it be our prayer. May it be what we step into. May we be a people who continually say, I surrender. I surrender everything to you. Whatever you say, I will do. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.